If you've ever tried to unlock your iPhone with Face ID over the last year while wearing a face mask, you know it's a horrible experience. With an upcoming iOS update, Apple is making the process seamless. But there's a catch. You have to have an Apple Watch. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlo, and on this episode of Jason Squared, we're going to talk about our first impressions of the new unlock method in iOS 14.5, as well as some other goodies it includes. All right, Perlo, I think it's pretty easy for us to discount iOS updates that happen in between major updates like iOS mm -hmm. 14 to iOS 15. You know, right now we're on 14.4, but these updates are starting to add quite a few new features that are very interesting. Um, so, you know, iOS 14.4 was just released a few mm -hmm. weeks ago and uh, it, it had its own fair share of features in it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still remember the iOS 14.3 three update and the initial release, you know, uh, today is definitely, a, you know, a grab bag of, you know, iOS stuff that we should be catching up on. Um, you know, there is indeed a lot of little updates that have occurred over the last few months, which are good to know about. So if you just simply accepted the updates and you haven't really dived in all the nooks and crannies of, you know, the, of the system and seen what's changed, we're, we're going to go over some of it. So um, in case you missed it in 14.4, uh, and this is a fairly new thing. Uh, this only happened in the last week. Uh, there's a new watch face and a watch band uh, introduced uh, with iOS 14.4. Uh, uh, see, it went off here. You can see it there. Uh, what color does it look like? Yeah. So it's a red and green uh, watch face called Unity, uh, which has very large numerals, which uses colors of the Pan-African Unity flag. And that can be also be set up in a grayscale mode. Um, and Apple sells a coordinating red, black, and green sports band to go with it, which is 50 bucks. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's stylish. It's very cool looking. Um, as well as a complete package as an Apple Watch Series 6 with the watch band for 400 bucks. Um, I happen to like uh, this watch face a lot. You can see that it's, I don't know if you can see in the, but that's red and green with the camera. Um, because my eyes are like really old and crappy and the numbers are like really big. <laughs> Uh, and they're fantastic and they're stylish looking and they are there are some like large numeral watch faces that Apple has in the watch app But they're not as cool looking um, I definitely would like to see Apple do more with these customized and special watch faces and provide a yeah. developer kit So we can see a lot more of these I'd love to see what artists can do with them, but it's it's a good start that they're starting to, to do this um, The next thing that came out in 14.4 was a improved Siri emergency call support. Now we've always had emergency call support built into Siri, but now there's like a countdown timer. So that if you hit that, you know, that, 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 that button sequence that immediately starts to call 911, you have that sort of time. You don't have to be rushed. Like, Oh my God, I, you know, like I hit it by mistake. Um, yeah, there I've was some confusion when this, when iOS 14.5, the developer beta, which we're going to dive into here in a minute, yep. when that was released, it included this new Siri, you could tell Siri to call emergency for you. Um, and it was believed it was part of 14.5, but it looks like it was a server-side switch. So it actually works on older OSs as well. So it, this it's not a 14.5 specific feature, which is kind of cool. And I'm glad they finally give you a countdown that you can cancel in case, you know, someone's messing around with your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like I say, you know, this that's a that's a great thing that they're optimizing the emergency services, especially during the pandemic or, you know, if someone falls or what happened, you know, gets sick. It's it's definitely something we need to have on our smartphones. The uh, 
this particular function has, I, we, you and I argued about it yesterday as to whether it was new or it wasn't new. The code has certainly been in iOS for a while, but it's being yeah. uncovered. It's being more uncovered now by various, you know, methods. There appears to be a find my items function in the find right. my app. Now this is different from find my devices. We've had find my devices for a while now since uh, you know, the Find My app used to be uh, be called Find My iPhone, but then it occurred, they just changed it to Find My. And you can locate your, or your iPad, your iPhone, your watch, whatever iStuff you have. Now they're going to extend it to, it sounds like they're going to extend it to third parties through some type of an API, possibly, like with yeah, like, like tiles and stuff. Um, and eventually yeah. we will see the AirTags, hopefully. Uh, I'm really yeah, hoping yeah, that so we see that. Yeah. So this tab can be triggered by putting a special URL into Safari and it'll actually force launch the Find My App to the Items tab itself, which like you said, uh, will include hopefully Apple AirTags whenever yeah. those are released. But Belkin and I believe Tile have already announced products that will integrate with the Items tab. I know Belkin has, I wrote about it back at CES uh, earlier the, earlier this year, I guess it's February now. So at the beginning of January when CES was going on, Belkin announced some wireless uh, earbuds that will integrate with Apple's Find My Items, although they didn't name it Items, they just said Find My App once they're released this spring. So I think we're looking for a March event where we're going to see that finally launch, uh, yep. as well as the third-party support with Apple's own AirTags. Yep. And this is kind of like the, the first instance that we're going to see heavy, more more increased usage of that ultra-wideband chip um, yeah. that I believe began in the iPhone 11. Uh, the Yeah. So... Uh, which brings us to what we call handoff support or improved handoff support. Uh, I don't happen to have one. You have a whole bunch of HomePod minis in your house. Yeah. But what this does is it, it, it's, it uses the ultra wideband chip in the iPhone that if you bring it closer to the speaker, certain activities pop up on the screen. And it's a really cool integration. I saw the, the animation, the, some demonstrations of how it works, but effectively allows things like the handoff or like as you get closer to the, to the, the device, it shows you what, what, what song is playing and, 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 and stuff. It's, it's some cool things that they've done for human sort of uh, interface with, 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 with the, I, with the, I, with the HomePod. Um, yeah, it looks um, really cool. Yeah. It is cool. But it's also kind of annoying because I, really? I have a HomePod mini sitting on my desk. And it's not just distance from the HomePod mini. I could have my iPhone completely vertical and it won't trigger it. But as I start to tilt it back, that's when it starts to trigger it. And you get haptic feedback on your phone letting you know, hey, it has found something, something's going on. And a little notification shows up on the top of your phone where you can take full right. control over your, your HomePod mini uh, and what it's playing. Or you can... Uh, hand off what your iPhone is playing. But the problem is, if you set your phone too close to your HomePod, your your phone randomly starts vibrating and you know you get that haptic feedback. So you're triggering it on accident all the time. So I've actually had to move my HomePod further away from where I used to have it and where I normally keep my phone so I'm not constantly right. triggering it. Now you can disable it, but then you completely disable handoff to the HomePod. And it's something I use once in a while. So I'd like to have the option to use it, but... I don't want it triggered every time I accidentally tilt my phone too far back. It's, if you have a chance to play with it, it, it is, it's fascinating how as you rotate your phone, it starts to, you know, you start to feel that feedback and then it's triggered. Uh, it shows 
how precise ultra wideband is going to be once it's you know fully rolled out we we have devices like air tags where we can track stuff if the first time i realized how i held my phone depended you know determined whether yeah. it was being triggered i was like wait a minute this it's that accurate and it, it you know it's kind of crazy it is kind of cool how the directional beam on it works, especially uh, if you have if you if you have at least an iPhone 11 and you have a friend or you know or someone in your family. You know, my wife has an iPhone 12 as well. We started doing this with um, which, what you call it, the uh, AirDrop. AirDrop. So if you if if you actually hold this and you point it towards the phone's face to face, you can see how quickly it locks on with AirDrop. Because one of the things I used to hate about AirDrop was like it would be looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. This literally, yeah. if you have them next to each other, bam, it's it's really? instantaneous. Yeah, yeah I, have, it's, I haven't it's fast. tested that. I'll have to give that a uh, shot. My wife takes a lot of photos of food and stuff that, you know, when I post it on gotcha. Facebook. So like she, when I put up food posts, she beams me the photos of, of stuff or when she goes out with her girlfriends and goes to eat stuff. That's cool. Um, the other thing, speaking of photographs, so so if if you were one of those people like me that spent big money on an iPhone 12 Pro or a Pro Max, um, in four, this is actually a 14.3 feature, not a 14.4 feature, but a lot of people didn't notice it. Uh, is the is the Pro Raw uh, image format support for for the the iPhone 12 Pro and Pro Max? If you spent big money on an iPhone 12 Pro, this the the Pro Raw support is like the the biggest yeah. thing, part of that, uh, aside from the cameras and the lenses, the, the and the sensors, obviously, is the ability to capture uh, this this uncompressed pro image format. Now you need to have obviously an image editing app that can handle a raw format. Uh, you know, there's a couple on on the phone that you can get um, from the app store, but also but normally we're talking about Adobe and, and other types of apps like that that can do the import. Uh, into your computer and, and work with that uncompressed format. There's so much more image density, so much more data that is captured in an uncompressed format that you can do a lot of cool stuff with lighting effects and, and, and things that really, you know, you're you're really matching uh, in a lot of respects the the the, um, the DSLR cameras uh, and the mirrorless cameras capture capabilities with the with the iPhone sensor. So if if you have an iPhone 12 Pro, uh, take a look at that image format because it's it's quite impressive. Um, yeah, you can adjust that, and I think it's settings camera yeah. and enable Apple Pro Raw. It's the only format I shoot in now. I yeah. do wish the camera app remembered that you had it activated because yeah. there's a little toggle in the camera app to turn it on and off. Image sizes are quite bigger. Uh, a lot, so a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah I, 25 megs for yeah. just a standard image when they used to be one or two at most. So uh, make sure you have plenty of storage. The Photos app does a great job at editing those. If you want to get more in depth, like you said, use the Adobe apps. Yep. But uh, the Photos app that's built into your iPhone or Mac even, it does a great job at editing those photos themselves. And there was also a bunch of security fixes in 14.4. Yeah. I think there was around 60 of them. That a lot. Some of them were actively being used and exploited. There were zero days. Um, which are, you know, severe uh, security issues. And so Apple's admitted they were actively being exploited in, you know, the real world. So make sure you update to 14.4 for no other reason than the security issues itself. Yeah, the roll-ups on the security is like really, this is why I tell people do not wait for, right. for to update your iPhone or iDevices because that's when they dump the security fixes is in, is in, is in these roll-ups now. Yeah, and they try to quietly release the security stuff, but, you know, um, it, they admitted the zero-day exploits. I think there were three of them that they had patched in 14.4. Uh, 
So on Monday, Apple released the first developer beta of iOS 14.5. And so it's not available publicly yet. It's not an official release. There's still some bugs and some things they need to work out. And in fact, they haven't even released the public beta yet, which is something they do within a few days of releasing the first developer beta. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a huge new feature in iOS 14.5, and that's with the ability to use your Apple Watch to unlock your iPhone yep. using Face ID while yep. you're wearing a mask. That is a requirement. Yep. All of those things yep. have to be met. And as soon as I saw that, I installed it immediately. Immediately. I went off betas for a while, but uh, as soon as I saw that, because I am tired of the struggle that is unlocking your iPhone in public while wearing a face mask. And this feature works so great. And I think, Jason, you're going to, right. to demonstrate how it works. Again, you have to have a face mask on. It does not work if you don't have your mask on. And um, it works a lot like unlocking your Mac with your Apple Watch. At least that's what it reminds me of, except for it's your iPhone. So I'll go ahead and let you, Jason, walk us through the demonstration. Yeah, so basically you have to have a mask on like this, right? So um, you, you can see now my iPhone is, is, lo is locked, um, but if I do this, it immediately locked, unlocked the phone. Like Now, what I felt here was a haptic feedback on the watch yeah. instantaneously. Um, you know, it, you do have to point it at your face. So what it is, it is the, the face ID sensor is still looking for your face geometry. And it's actually mapping your face and it notices that you're wearing a watch, that you're wearing a mask, yeah. right? So so now it's, it's, it's unlocked, it's locked. Um, and if I do this again, I just felt the haptic feedback again. It really, it doesn't take that long at all. So it's, it's, it's really only doing like a partial scan or really it realizes that it has to do a, a quicker partial scan, checks the watch, watch authenticates that you have, a, you know, a, 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 that the watch is active, that it's authenticated to that user. And it, and it works pretty seamlessly. I mean, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm quite impressed with it. Um, I used it, um, you know, when going out for pizza the other night and uh, people thought I was doing sorcery. Cause like so many people, you know, when they go out and they do, um, they, they do, you know, they go out and they, they have to unlock their phone to, to, before they do, uh, you know, either they're doing a, well, I mean, if they're doing, the only thing that it doesn't do, uh, which I kind of wish they would was, was that, that it would enable the unlock also on the Apple pay. Now, of course, if you have Apple pay and you have an Apple watch, you can still pay directly with your watch. Right. right but what right. I, what I, what I have found with some readers, like with square and some of the other companies that, uh, if you had to extend your hand out and the, depending on the orientation of that reader, you got to get that NFC relative much closer uh, to the reader than you do with, with, with an iPhone. I've just felt like, you know, with this distance is, is actually usually good enough to pay for something. But look, it's definitely to not have to unlock your iPhone, uh, you know, with, with the digits by wearing a mask or something, it, it's, it's, it's definitely faster. It's definitely much more convenient. I'm glad they implemented it. It's, it's a fantastic feature and I'm, and I can't wait till everybody else gets it. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait until this is out as yeah. well. You know, one thing I want to mention, you covered it you know, very thoroughly, but that haptic feedback you get on your wrist from the watch, there's actually a button on there that if someone else was to pick up your iPhone and hold it up to their mask covered face and right. it unlocks for some reason, that that feedback you get on your wrist also has a button on there to instantly lock your iPhone. So 
Oh, cool. You know, and you're, you're watching your phone have to be very close together for this to work, but there is that backup security feature that you could lock your, your phone if someone else was able to trigger it and, and get it to unlock. So I think it's really well done for the first beta. It works oh, yeah. pretty flawlessly. Uh, you enable it by going into settings, face ID and passcode. You have yep. to scroll down a bit and there's an option in there. Of course, you'll need to be on watch OS 7.4. I think we're on now. Uh, three, four, uh, I'm not sure, whatever. I always, yeah, I always I update the watch whenever, whenever I update the, the phone, I update the watch at the same time. So it's, yeah, you so know. So if you're part of the public beta program, both the phone and the watch need to be enrolled and take part, you know, and upgrade to the, the latest beta. So if you're, you know, wanting to use that. Um, what else did they add? Well, we don't, we don't officially know this one yet, but people have, you know, there's developers and, and other uh, writers who dive into the source code of updates and some very strong evidence has been found that Apple is finally going to add family sharing to the Apple card, meaning one person has the card and they're able to get other cards to share with their family members so you can manage one account instead of each person having to have their own individual account, which Perlo, you and I recorded a show. Oh yeah, I, I cannot a wait. A long to time this. ago about this. Yeah, I cannot wait till. I mean, obviously, I want to see more features add to the Apple Card service. Period. But this is like on like close to the top of the list of something that I want because let's say you had you know three or four kids and you want to give them an allowance for for spending limits and stuff. Look, no one wants to work with cash now. As of the pandemic, cash is like a non thing. Right. So if you want to give your kid an Apple card and give him, you know, five hundred dollars a month and 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 you want I mean, I, I think I'm going to want to see from the administrator side what limits you can set and, and things like that. But the consolidated billing capabilities to be able to have one single invoice and pay the whole darn thing off of across three, four cards. That's what what I've wanted for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so Apple launched Apple Pay family shared cards so basically you can yeah. give your kids is what it's designed for an apple pay digital card on their phone uh which is fine but having that physical apple card which i hope is what you know this includes is a huge deal my daughter's about to turn 13 and giving her that responsibility and teaching her lessons about managing money and whatnot is is a huge advantage to something like this and i i really hope you know, when 14.5 comes out, this is still around in the code and it's something they actually launched. Like I said, you know, I've talked about this a lot and we've been waiting for it for quite a while. Um, also included is a new Fitness Plus feature, yeah. which allows you to airplay the audio, right? Uh, video, and, video and audio. Video, oh yeah, that's right. Video and audio during a Fitness Plus workout to an AirPlay 2 compatible device. Meaning, you know, I have a uh, Roku TV that yep. is AirPlay 2 compatible. So I could watch my workout on that TV instead of having to have an Apple TV device itself. So that, that's a huge benefit. I know Rachel, we talked to her a few shows ago. She's excited about this. She's incredibly excited, especially for, you know, she, she's part of an Apple watch and, uh, and, and Fitness Plus user group on Facebook. And they've been discussing this feature because a lot of people have been annoyed that you couldn't just play this on a television, right? Uh, yeah. And 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 so, and there there are workarounds uh, to date that such as getting the uh, there's an AV adapter uh, for for lightning to AV. Um, 
and also for the iPad Pro uh, for hooking up an HDMI connection directly into the television set uh, to mirror the display. That's clunky. Um, what this does literally is it, it beams the, 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 the video of, of the instructor during the workout. And um, the only thing it doesn't do is show the, the Apple Watch metrics of your heart rate and all that uh, while it's doing it. Because the way that Apple does this on its app is it composites the video and the data into the app on, on their – so, uh, you know, Air AirPlay was really designed as a, a video uh, protection, end-to-end uh, -end video uh, transmission uh, kind of like a like a really kind of like like what Chromecast does, um, but it 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 wasn't really designed for for beaming an entire app over to another screen that what that isn't designed to be an, an, an Apple device. So yeah, it's it's way better than nothing. I mean the fact that you can just you know you can go to your TV set and if you got an AirPlay two compatible device, it'll play the the workout while you, while you, and it'll continue to capture your data uh, on the watch and 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 in an iCloud. It's Excellent for people who who want an inexpensive solution like that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to checking it out. I need to actually start using Fitness Plus. I'm paying for yeah, it. Yeah, well you use and it. me, you and me both. <laughs> Maybe one day. So yeah. dual SIM support for 5G. This was something missing at the iPhone 12 launch. Yeah, I know people really want this, and it finally is included in iOS 14.5, uh, which is which is a good thing. You can use an eSIM now as your secondary 5G SIM. Uh, which is good for people who travel or when traveling opens back up. Yep. Now, standalone 5G network support. I didn't see anything about this, uh, but T-Mobile is going to support it first. What exactly is that? So, you know, as you know, you know, we have a, a, a 5G transmission uh, transition that's occurring at most of the major carriers, right? So they're they're building out the 5G infrastructure while at the same time they have the old LTE 4G infrastructure. So currently at most of the other carriers, if you are connected to like a sub six or ultra wideband, uh, what's happening is that there there is there's certain signals that are continuing to be passed on the LTE network. For, for, for those for that transitions purposes to function right so yeah. what uh, T-Mobile is doing is the first really to do it is to have a standalone 5G network that means all your voice and data is going across the 5G right there's no what they call LTE piggybacking occurring right now you need this net this 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 full 5G network support uh, in order to support faster speeds and much larger 5G deployments so like I said T-Mobile is first. There will be other carriers that follow, but this is actually critical for the iPhone uh, to support next generation networks. So it's it's good that it's it's getting in there now. Yeah, and it, it's just a software update, right? It's not a hardware that's, update. Which no, is, it's, which it's just cool. it's just software. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they also included support for the PlayStation Five DualShock controller as well as the Xbox Series S and X controllers, which yep. are different than the former Xbox Series One controllers or whatever. Xbox's naming scheme is confusing at best, um, which is, you know, a huge thing. There's various UI or interface improvements to podcasts, news, reminders as well. And then there's more tweaks to emergency alerts. But there's another big one that's included in this. This one is Apple huge. Said, yeah. Is going to launch with 14.5 and it's making Facebook especially very upset. And that is the app tracking transparency rollout, which means... Going forward, after iOS 14.5 is launched, as long as Apple sticks to this timeline, because remember, this was supposed to launch with iOS 14 back in September. So 14.5 will bring in this new feature. When you open an app like Facebook, they will be required to ask you, do you want to opt in to providing your personalized data 
in exchange for ads and allowing them to track you on your phone? Or do you want them not to track you and take advantage of your personal data? There's a big problem for Facebook here in the fact that odds are people are going to opt out. It's already off by default. So you have to opt in to this. This isn't something that they have access until you make that decision. If you ignore it, whatever, they're not getting any of your data. And Facebook is talking about, you know, suing Apple over this. It's a huge deal. I'm curious about the psychology of the actual developers, though, and how these apps are going to work going forward. Because if you decide to say, no, I don't want to be tracked, can they just say, sorry, you can't use our service? Is that something that the developers are allowed to do? And no, stay on I don't the, think and, so. And stay on the app store? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. You know, they already have the n- nutrition labels in the app store right now. So if you go look up Facebook Messenger in the app store and you scroll down, and it looks just like the nutrition label that you would have on food, but this is a privacy label. Uh, I think that's what Apple's calling it, maybe privacy nutrition label. But it lists every aspect of your personal data that that app collects and uses to track you. So not only are they having to ask you to opt in, but they have to tell you exactly what they're doing. And I believe Apple requires if you say no, you still have to have access to that app. Oh, really? Uh, they They can't just block you from it, which, you know, a lot of companies are going to get hurt by this. There's no doubt you know, about it, the, whether that's right or wrong on Apple's part, that's, that's a whole nother topic and a whole nother show, but it's coming within yep. the next couple of months. I'm looking forward to this. I cannot wait to say, no, heck no, you can't track me. I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. I am with you, especially for big companies like Facebook and you yeah. know, across Instagram and WhatsApp and all that other, all their other services. Now, mind you, this doesn't do anything for tracking online and on other devices it's only specifically on that phone so they'll facebook can still track you you know if you get on your mac or your pc and visit the website they're still going to be able to track you there but a lot of people their primary device for accessing social media is their iphone so this or ipad for that matter so this is going to be a big deal yep 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 um and of course you know so there's a lot of other things that are left Lots of little user interface improvements in podcasts, news and reminders. Um, I'm sure a couple of other little ones will probably pop up as people start to dig into them. It's, it's great that Apple's finally streamlining these apps, making them easier to use and stuff. There are some yeah. that, you know, that have been kind of janky for a while. Um, as you said, there's additional tweaks for notifications for the emergency alerts, which are, which are I think are, are – whether whether you know you get notified under certain conditions and stuff you can select so it's there's some more granularity there um there's there's not what did you there's something called uh searches for emojis um yeah so on the iphone you can actually search through the emoji keyboard with ios 14 yeah for some reason was left out of ipad os 14 so now ipad os 14.5 it's back which is who knows why it wasn't there? I'm glad it's there now. But that kind of dovetails into my high hopes yeah. for iPad OS 14.5. If you remember last March, Apple surprised everyone with trackpad and mouse support for the iPad with iPad OS 13.4, I believe. Yeah. And there was no hints. I mean, there was kind of, hey, Apple might be working on this, you know, and a few rumors a couple weeks ahead of time. But no one found anything in the source code ahead of the launch. So personally, I'm hoping with iPad OS 14.5 this year, we have another iPad surprise. 
in March or, or whenever this ends up being released. And that is my top of my list. I hope there's a lot of changes, but the top of my list is true external display support. Right now, when you yeah. connect an iPad to a monitor or an iPad, you know, any iPad, but my iPad Pro to a monitor, it just mirrors the display and there's black bars on each side. I would really love to see being able to extend the iPad desktop to a monitor and really take advantage of, you know, two displays at that point because I end up staring at my iPad screen half the time when it's connected to an external monitor. The GPU built into the current generation A-series processors is definitely powerful enough to, to drive a, a 4K external display. There's no question. Yeah. Or even even a 2K display, it's, it's good enough to do it at native resolution. So there's no reason why they can't do it. Yeah, it already drives a 4K display with the iPad. Pro, yeah. Weird. So yeah. It, it's more than powerful enough to do it. It's just them deciding to actually implement it in the way they're going to implement it, which the way they did mouse and trackpad support is fantastic. I have no doubt they'll be able to do it for, you know, extending, extending the display. It's a feature they have to add. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Um, any, any closing thoughts on iOS 14.5 or yeah, iOS you know, in general? Yeah, I mean, Jason, I, I think all these little fixes are well and good, but I would love to see more attention given to the iPad period, right? It, yep. it, it's it's kind of felt like a second class citizen, you know, ever since iOS 14 has been released, especially with the lack of widgets on the home screen or the <laughs> app gallery. That yeah. drives me nuts. Um, me you know, the fact that I had this 13.9, uh, uh, this 13 inch screen and I got to go like that you know, is, is, right. is, is nutty, right? Now you think the device would be built for that purpose. Um, you know, and the widgets would be phenomenal in, 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 on, on the full, on the large display. So I totally agree with you that it needs more than just screen mirroring. It needs full secondary display support. Um, and, and look, there's a lot of things that you can do with an iPad that you can't, you know, fundamentally do with, with a device that's this small. Like, there's a lot of things they can do to take advantage of that screen real estate. So I really want to see them do that um, in iOS 15. You know, maybe, I, I don't know what it is that prevented them from doing it in iOS 14 or, or you know, but maybe they have something more ambitious planned they're trying to roll out for, for iPad and they wanted to wait till the next revision or something. Who knows? Yeah, that's but, my hope is that iPad OS 15 brings brand new multitasking because right now, it works, but it's it's clunky and a brand new home screen experience as well. That integrates widgets. That's different than what the iPhone has. Maybe it'll maybe it'll be Mac OS for M1, you know, and <laughs> and uh, and and will and and they'll just iPad OS will be just for legacy dev legacy devices, right? They'll be just be the next generation iPad will be M M based, and and we'll have of course they'll have to come up with touch screen support and all that other stuff, which would be a huge <laughs> job, but you know, um, yeah, we can we can dream, right? So. Yeah, I'm, well, I'll keep dreaming. I'm I'm okay with iPad OS uh, staying on there instead of Mac OS. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I would I would love to see some huge improvements. I have a long list of stuff I want to see, but like I said, at the top of it is external display support. So that that's all the time we have. We've gone long today. Thank you for sticking with us. If you listened to the entire thing, we truly appreciate it. If you watched it, thanks for watching us. We really appreciate that as well. I'm Jason Cipriani, and I'm Jason Perlo. And this is Jason Squared. Make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.